0: Good evening, and welcome to the Coffee Clatch. This is Marianne Russo. I want to say hello to my co-host, who is on tweet chat tonight, Chuck Wally. We have a simultaneous tweet chat going on. You can follow the hashtag TCK. We will also be taking calls at the end of the interview. I'll announce the call in number then. Um, I am very excited tonight that um, I have Diane Kistner with me tonight. Diane is the director of outplacement at the Windward School, which is an incredible resource for children with language-based learning disabilities. Um, you'll find out tonight why placement is everything, and you'll find out from um, specialty schools how they can how children are mainstreamed and the educational environment that works for these children. So um tonight Diane joins me and we will discuss very specific educational programs and uh she will give us her to do list of planning for transitioning your child into um special needs schools. So welcome Diane, how are you?
1: Well thanks so much and Marion I want to thank you for having me first of all and let you know that I think what you're doing is just terrific. It's a, just a wonderful service. So it's just awesome. great.
0: Thank you. You know, we have so much to go over tonight. Um, You know, I hardly know where to start with this. Uh, You know, why don't you first start off by telling us um, a little bit about the Windward School and what you do there.
1: Of course, so the Winward School is a um, a total immersion school. It's a special needs school for children with language based learning disabilities. We service children from grades one through nine, and we're really very unique in that uh, our mission is to remediate these children and then place them back into the mainstream. so children typically come to us. Any, any, at any point, um, really it's very unusual and it no, almost never happens that a child would come in first grade and stay through ninth grade, but rather they come when they need us and uh, when they're ready to, to leave, uh, then I place them in mainstream schools.
0: You know, I think there's uh, a lot of misconception about what a language-based learning disability is. And the Winward School really is very, very specific um, for, tree- for helping and educating children with this. So what exactly is a language-based learning disability, and what is dyslexia specifically? I think there's a lot of confusion.
1: Okay. Well, uh, as you expressed uh, at Winward, all of our students uh, are diagnosed with some form of dyslexia. And in its simplest definition, dyslexia really is uh, a disorder that you see in children who are of at least average intelligence who are having difficulty acquiring the skills for reading and writing. Uh, In in the the more complex definition, it's really a neurologically-based disorder that interferes with uh, the acquisition and processing of language, and it can certainly vary in degree of severity. Uh, Typically, we see students that have some expressive and uh, receptive difficulty, and they have difficulty with phonological processing.
0: You know, and I think that people, you know, when they hear dyslexia, I know I did. Um, uh, you know, you think of it as a visual type of an impairment where mm-hmm. they they see letters backwards, but it's much more than that, isn't it? Yes.
1: Yes, and you know, if if to really break it down, um and and by the way, the reason I know so much about this is that the Winward school ha- is our curriculum and our program is completely research based. And so uh, the way that we remediate children is really based on brain research and there's been so much exciting development over the past years in uh in brain research specifically for kids uh that have dyslexia um, so uh, for example um one thing that that is uh very obvious in the research is that children with dyslexia. They use a different part of their brain, for example, than kids who do not have dyslexia. So for kids who do not have dyslexia, they're using a particular part of their brain for reading. In the dyslexic child, we see that they're using various parts of the brain. And the most exciting piece of all of this is that if a child who is dyslexic is remediated in a particular methodology, the part of the brain uh, that is devoted to reading it actually develops, and so it's very important for children, especially when they're younger, to have the remediation um, that, and it's specifically an Orton-Gillingham multisensory program. You know, you train the brain. You know, now what what types
0: of presentations? And let's say that there's a parent who has a child who's struggling um, in school. You know, what are some of the common presentations, academic struggles, and, you know, I would assume that there are social issues that go mm-hmm. along with this. Um, so what what would a parent see? What would be some red flags?
1: Well, you know, it's kind of interesting, uh, and and we hear the same kinds of stories over and over again on admission at Winward. Uh, these are students, our students, um, their parents are saying that their children sort of got through kindergarten, maybe didn't know all their letters, got into first grade, started to struggle with reading. Um, and for our kids who were very, very bright, they in some ways can kind of mask this disability because they have they, they listen very carefully, they learn a lot from listening, and they kind of hover under the radar. Uh, other kids who have um, a more severe case, these are the kids they're not recognizing their letters, and they're really not they're just not learning how to read uh, and that's the that is the main um, uh, thing that the parents see uh you know and and a lot of schools will say, well, children develop at different rates, and we have to give them a chance uh, and basically, we see so many students that come to windward in 4th grade, 5th grade, 6th grade, sort of in those years where 1st, 2nd, and 3rd grade at Winward, we always say, those are the grades where kids are learning to read, and after 3rd grade, they're reading to learn, and so that's when a lot of our kids hit the wall.
0: Right. That's
1: a great phrase.
0: Um, you know, how would, I'm going to say a parent has a child, and they see these difficulties, um, what is the method of being evaluated? Is that usually done through the districts? Do parents do that privately? How does it, a child? How does a parent find out if, in fact, their child is dyslexic?
1: Well, you know, it, it again, it, it really varies. Uh, some parents will, con- you know, just be in touch. If they're in public school, they'll be in touch with the teachers and saying they're really, you know, they're they're just seeing something wrong, and uh, then sometimes the district will actually do the testing and make some. Um, either develop an IEP or make some plan for this particular child. If a a child is in uh, a private school, sometimes the school will recommend that the parent have an evaluation done, and that's done by a psychologist, and it involves uh, psychological testing. It's typically a WISC, a Wechsler Intelligence Scale for Children, and some academic testing and uh, language testing, writing testing. uh, And the tester, to do a good job, really has to review not only intellectual strengths and weaknesses, but but also some academic testing and language testing. And what the what the psychologist is looking for is just how those strengths and weaknesses intellectually, how they sort of fall out. And sometimes typically what we might see with a, a child with a language-based learning disability is some real discrepancies. Children may have a very strong verbal IQ uh, and have more difficulty on the perceptual side, uh, or there might be – a significant scatter between the subtests. Uh but the but the, the point of all of it is that the te- whoever the tester is, a good tester will sit down with a family and really explain what it all means. I think reading the psychological report or reading any kind of a diagnostic report is very in- intimidating for a parent. Yeah. And yeah, and frequently uh you know, our parents will Ask us to help them interpret some of these reports, but they they're they're intimidating and they're and they can be very long there are lots of numbers so it it can be difficult
0: well, the windward is a private school mm-hmm. and um you know as i said you you really have a you have a one of a kind program, so what I really wanted to do was not only just um spotlight windward, which is just exceptional. Um, but I also want to spotlight the program and really try to explain to parents why um, a program that is research based and reinforced can really change these kids lives. Mm-hmm. So um, like I said, you have an incredible program. Can you tell us about that, and why is it so successful?
1: Yes, of course. Well, once again, you know, I'd like to just want to reemphasize that we have one kind of a uh, disorder that we work with, and that is the child who has that learning, uh, that language-based learning disability. And what we do at Winward is, I think, consistency is very important. And we, our research-based model is, as I mentioned before, a multisensory Orton-Gillingham approach, and that is really a um, emphasizes Uh, visual, auditory, and kinesthetic learning. So, for example, with our youngest children, our first graders, when they come in frequently, they may not know the letters of the alphabet. And so when the teacher is introducing, and by the way, the, the, the way that the letters are introduced um, they're introduced in a particular way so that the child can start reading very, very quickly. And so the presentations of letters is important. There are several consonants that are presented first and then a short vowel sound, short A, and then the child can put together uh, letters to make words uh, very, very quickly. And any new lesson uh, is is presented Uh, There's always a review every single day of the skill that was previously learned. Then there's a presentation of a a new sound. And the way it's presented is the child is seeing it, is hearing it, is writing it. Uh, For some students, I know that um, there are... Uh, private tutors or uh, there are therapists that work with kids that really are having so much difficulty acquiring these sound symbol relationships that they're working very kinesthetically with sandpaper or sand or uh, something like that so to make it uh, you know very tactile uh, in any event so at Windward we are always reviewing we're building one skill upon another until the child has gone through the alphabet Uh, and then we once again build, we're teaching S-H-T-H-C-H and short and long vowel sounds, silent E words, and it just progresses uh, from that very basic C says K all the way to T-I-E-N-T says shint, and this is done throughout... Winward until a student reaches a level of proficiency. So that Orton-Gillingham multisensory program is presented on a daily basis to the kids. In addition to that, and, and basically the kids have three periods of language arts every day. They have that Orton-Gillingham piece. They have a reading period where they're working on um, Uh, text and for the younger children and the children who have not reached a certain level of proficiency, they read out of a controlled reader so that they're practicing the sounds that they're learning in that Orton-Gillingham class and nothing new is presented because we want them when they get to the text to be able to read it and be successful and use the skills that we've given them in their toolbox. Once a child, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, we the back... Orton-Gillingham,
0: I mean, that's, pardon the pun, that's old school, right?
1: It is. And actually, uh, the two people who uh, it's named for, I mean, Samuel Orton uh, died in 1948, and he did a lot of his re- research in the 1920s. And and Gillingham uh, was also, uh, she died in 1963, and she did a lot of her work in the 1930s where she was actually, I believe, uh, probably the first person to develop this sequential um, phonetic uh, base, which is used today in many programs so this is it 's not a new program um, and and both so, of it 's almost, like almost like we 've gone it 's almost like we 've become so um,
0: advanced that we're falling behind you know it seems like the old way worked better you know i just want to back up a little bit um you know and talk about the admissions process you know before Mm -hmm. you know when we before we start going back into the program um Mm -hmm. what is the admissions process and what grades do you teach there
1: well i teach uh eighth grade reading and writing uh
0: but what grades are offered there at winford
1: oh i'm sorry uh grades one through nine and go ahead I was going to say, and, and now since
0: the object of this is to remediate the, the children and then to return them to the mainstream, um, do you teach a New York State curriculum, or um, so that that if, when they do go back, that they're caught up?
1: Yes. Yes, so, this, so so, just to backtrack a little bit, so that there's the three periods of language arts, and we can talk more about that if you'd like in a minute. Then the, the students have, of course, they have math, and math is uh, we follow New York State curriculum. The children work at whatever is taught in their grade. They use a grade-appropriate textbook in math. Now, for each grade, we do have a number of levels, and so that we are working with kids at the pace that they need and also um, working with them on uh the areas that they need. So, for example, we have some children who need more reinforcement with language, and so they're going to have difficulty with word problems and things like that. And then we have other students that might have more difficulty with with calculations. So we do group the, co- the kids according to their to what they need. But we're there. each grade is basically following New York State curriculum. We do exactly the same thing. Um, well, not exactly the same thing. For, for social studies and science, we also follow New York State curriculum, but those classes are heterogeneous classes. Uh, the other classes, math and reading and writing in Orton-Gillingham, those skills are, are um, ability-based. So we're Do working you have levels within
0: levels. each grade?
1: Yes, within each grade, we could have seven or eight different uh, groups. Yes. So then, then, it really is a differentiated education, which is mm-hmm. great.
0: I mean, you know, that's what a lot of these kids need. I mean, you're yeah. teaching the same with the same model and the same curriculum, but you're teaching at um, you know different paces. So you know, that's fantastic. It, you know, right. A lot and, of uh, I was going to say a lot of schools, the mainstream um, public schools, they do a lot of journaling. I know my kids, they did a lot of journaling. Everything was, you know, writing in your journal at night. And, you know, I don't really know what they got out of that. So, you know, how do you feel about that? Do you do a lot of journaling there?
1: Well, no, we don't do it here at Winward. And the reason we don't do it is that our students are having so much difficulty with the rules. And we want to teach them the rules of spelling and the rules of decoding. Uh, You know, and and, uh, I think that... The main thing for us is getting a child to break the code in reading, and it takes a lot of reinforcement of looking at words, breaking up words, looking at syllables, dividing syllables, and really understanding the rules. And the same thing for spelling. For our students, if they misspell a word and it's not corrected, uh, and they're going to spell it the wrong way again and again, and it's almost impossible for them to... Undo that, and with journal writing, my kids did that all the time too. Uh, you know the purpose of journal writing is to for a child to express himself on paper, and there's invented spelling and all of that for our kids I think that's it, it's very it's very confusing for them and very difficult, and we want them to see the right way i mean it's very important for our kids uh, and i 'll talk about our writing program in a minute is uh to uh to see, to understand what a sentence is, and it has a beginning and it has an end and it starts with a capital letter, it ends with punctuation, uh, and that's very important. So I think the, the journal writing can be very confusing for a dyslexic kid.
0: And I would assume that the, the teachers will need very specific training in this because yes. you, know, you don't teach the way other schools teach.
1: Yeah, well, to be, to work at Wynwood, first of all, we have a, a very large teacher training institute where we train not our own uh, faculty, but we actually reach out. There are many teachers from public schools, uh, really uh, the tri-state area, uh, who and private schools who come? The districts send their teachers to us. Private schools send their teachers to us, so that they can learn our writing program and our reading program. And uh, I know it's something that uh, our school is is very devoted to, is really being able to reach out to as many um, children as possible, uh, and teachers as possible to help them uh, work with kids in this way. Because it, I mean, it absolutely it works. It right. works, but, yeah, but but it's very hard work as well. And, uh, you know, I teach an eighth grade class, and I've been at Windward for 16 years, and I'm closely supervised. Uh, we have to have a lesson. Our teachers must have a written lesson for every 42-minute period that they teach, and they teach, uh, you know, probably five five classes a day and uh, there's a lesson, and there has to be a reason for the lesson, and the kids have to understand what the goal of the lesson is. So it's it's really, it's it's a lot of work.
0: I have a question on chat. Um, you know, they're saying a lot of their kids have the decoding skills and spelling down, um, but mm-hmm. what about grammar? I guess that's, uh, you know, a problem also.
1: Yeah, well, we teach grammar within the context of of the writing that we're teaching. We don't Um, teach grammar as a separate subject. So, for example, if we are... uh, And our writing program is very specific, by the way. We use an expository writing program. Uh, and it's called Basic Writing Skills, and written by our former uh, head of our school, Judith Hockman. She does a lot of the training uh, in the right she does all of the training for our writing program, both within Winward and outside of winward and uh, we We teach grammar with within within the actual writing and every day by the way, the students have uh, a period of writing, so they have their Orton Gillingham. They have their reading period where they're reading text, and then they have their writing period. And the reading and the writing, as you would imagine, are um, very connected. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in eighth grade, if I'm teaching um uh, if I'm teaching of mice and men, we will have we will do in class. With, and the writing program involves a lot of modeling. We're teaching the kids how to write sentences. We're and we we're, we're, we're teaching them how to do is write sentences that are not subject predicate sentences. We're teaching them how to start sentences in more interesting complex ways, uh, and that that's where the grammar comes in.
0: And um, you know once. These you know these children you feel are ready to transition back. Uh, one of the main things is um, preparing these kids mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. It's, it's another world that mm-hmm. they're going to be going into um, academically and socially, and um, you know that's really what you do. You know once you've got these kids you know up to speed, you transition them back. So I want mm-hmm. you to just take your time and tell us um, you have a little toolkit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to talk about how you prepare your students to transition back and, um, you know, how you assist on the IEP. And you can also tell us what a good IEP would look like um, mm-hmm. for a kid that has dyslexia.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, once a child has been identified as someone who's ready to leave, um, there there is a whole process that I go through with the parents. But even prior to that, you know, again, the mission of Winword is to first remediate meaning we want a child to leave winward as an independent learner we want them to be able to read to write to have good organizational skills and study skills and just as importantly we are we also want them to be able to advocate for themselves uh i always worry about a child who's going to leave winward and is still not able to ask for help, you know there are some kids who have no trouble raising their hands in a classroom and asking questions, and you know their their hands are always waving in the air, they have an answer or they have a question uh and some of our students are certainly are very um comfortable in a classroom situation. Other kids are not so comfortable asking that question, and they feel that you know maybe it's a stupid question or they're yeah. embarrassed to ask the question exactly
0: for all kids yeah
1: yeah but yet. They have learned the skills of being able to, how do, you, how do you get to the teacher out of class? How do you approach the teacher? What do you say to the teacher? You know, we we, we try to um, reinforce with our kids, when you're asking a question or going to the teacher for help and saying, I don't get it, you know, that's really doesn't, it, that's not a good question. We right. want them to be able to kind of pinpoint. And and think out loud. So just as importantly as giving them that educational toolbox, we want them to be able to advocate for themselves. And that really does impact the kind of setting that I might suggest for a family. Uh, You know, if I see a child who's very happy to hover under the radar, that's a child that I frankly will worry about in a larger setting with more kids in a class, that that child is really going to probably sit in the back of the room and um, maybe miss things. Uh, and, and of course, that's where that's where the support is so important. And you mentioned the IEP. Some of our kids, most, almost all of our kids that leave us, leave and return to a mainstream environment. Whether it's a public school, a private day school, a boarding school, we have small number of kids that might go to a boarding school, and we have some students that might uh, choose to go to some sort of a, a religious school. Uh, and uh i think that that factor of how independent is this student and how in charge is this student of him or herself that impacts you know the kind of setting that i think is going to be a good one and if a child is going to public school uh, having some support, at least transitional support we at Winward always feel is a good idea because the child- the child is going from a small setting to a larger setting, and we want them to have some sort of a safety net when they're returning right. to the mainstream
0: now, even a child that isn't transitioning let's talk about a child that you know hasn't um, been able to find a private school like yours that has a special program that um is mainstreamed. What are some things that you would want to see on an i e p and I know that it's different for for each kid, but generally, what are some things that are helpful in the classroom?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we, we don't really work with IEPs, but just generally, I would say that, uh, or typically, um, a child who's in elementary or especially in middle school, we always weigh whether or not the child should need to take a foreign language in middle school, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at... Obviously, extended time and five o four accommodations we look for um, many of the public schools have a co-teaching model where there are two teachers in the classroom. there's the regular education teacher, and then there's the second teacher who is there to support the classified students in that class and that's a really great model uh, so we're basically looking for some you know certain levels of support. Um, typically, our students go into mainstream classes, team teaching classes, sometimes not. But a 504 classification is a very important one for children with language-based learning disabilities because even when our kids leave us, they can read, they can write, but it, it is still difficult for them, and it's still, it's still slow for them, and many of our readers are slow readers, and the difference between their timed and their extended time scores can be dramatic.
0: These right. kids, right. They,
1: they get it, but they need the extra time. So that's okay. really important. And, you know, um, you, you talk about this
0: research-based model that you have. And, uh, you know, we've spoken before, and the um, outcome rate is just outstanding. So it, it's hard to understand why other schools or more schools haven't been using this and you know i understand that the training is 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 is, is a factor because it's very specific training and um you know you have like you said you there's a lot of supervision i believe there's always someone in the classroom also right these are small classes that you have there
1: yes yes right. we have uh, it, well, it depends you know we can have um you know six kids in a class we can have 12
0: Right. Well, and in comparison to the public schools, that's still pretty small. That's a a dream. Um, So you know, why aren't some schools adapting it? And we're going to go into um, that. Windward offers courses for teachers, Mm -hmm. but um, you know, why would why haven't they started using this? Or can they use it even on a on a smaller scale?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's very exciting that we have trained hundreds and hundreds of teachers and the numbers of school districts and private schools and all kinds of schools uh, that are sending their teachers to us is, is a growing number, and, and that's very exciting. And I think, you know, you've certainly seen over, over the years different kinds of philosophies. There's different philosophies about how kids learn best. Uh, there was a, the whole language movement and uh, guided right. reading and, and you know the, it 's a it 's a philosophy that a school has, um, but I think that um it 's been proven over and over again that kids that struggle really do benefit from this very direct and our uh, and the other part of our curriculum is that it 's direct or i should say methodology it 's direct instruction. Uh, our kids, you, any, you'll walk into any classroom at Windward and the teacher is standing in front of the room and the kids are listening to the teacher, facing the teacher, and the teacher is teaching them and modeling for them. And we're always modeling for them. We, we're even modeling how to read. So if we, if one of our kids comes upon a multisyllable word that's very hard to pronounce, we'll put it on the board and we'll say, okay, let's do this together um you know let's rem, let's remember how we make put that word into into syllables um you know or if we're writing we're thinking okay this is what i'm trying to say gee i wonder if i can start with a with a with a uh, dependent clause uh so we're there's a constant modeling um
0: right well so you're and, not showing movies like they they do in a lot of the schools that drives mm-hmm. me crazy I me mean, when my my kids come home you know what did you do in history oh we watched a movie what did you mm-hmm. do in English? Oh, we watched a movie. <laughs> and yeah. What was the teacher doing? <laughs>
1: I know. But, or, um... or like one of my children who um, really struggled to learn how to read uh, when it was time for reading, and I had my little fingers in quotation marks, Uh, the teacher and my kids went to a very fine school, the teacher would say, okay, now everyone's going to read their book, and my son had no interest in doing that, so he would go to the bathroom for 45 minutes.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that just doesn't happen there. But, you know, um, also I think another component to this, because my oldest daughter was dyslexic, and I wish I, you know, knew you then. Um, But, you know, a lot of her problems were self-esteem because, um, you know, she would have to go to the resource room. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's a lot of bullying and a lot of teasing and a lot of stigma that went along with that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being in that environment and having such a hard time keeping up really hurt her. Mm -hmm. And even though the resources were great it and one it, and on another hand it really was a disadvantage to her and it wasn't until she graduated high school and went on to college and started free that you know she really blossomed so you know that's something that also needs to be taken into consideration too when you really have a kid that's struggling it's very hard for them in the mm-hmm. in the mainstream mm-hmm. um so you know how would a parent go about finding the right placement, I mean, you know your students are fortunate they have you, and you you know you place them um but you know the parent that doesn't have anybody where where do they go?
1: well, you know the um I think the International dyslexia Association is a very good resource, um and parents can certainly contact them i've actually contacted them, and they are worldwide I've called them or emailed them uh, on behalf of our families who perhaps are leaving the country or moving to a different state where i wasn't completely. Um, sort of aware of the, the resources that existed in those places and they get back to you right away, and I, I find them to be really terrific. But I think, you know, if you, if a parent has some suspicion or worries, uh, I think having the child uh, looked at by a psychologist uh, or a learning specialist uh, is a very important first step to see what exactly is the problem. Some of our families or that come for us in admissions um, they don't really need to come to us. They perhaps their child needs a good, as I said, Orton-Gillingham method, or working with a tutor, or or someone uh, as a resource who's going to give this give, give them this background. They don't necessarily need that total immersion. They just need to break the code right
0: right and they need to break it early because early intervention is key for all yes. of these kids with special needs um now you're, you, this is a model school and um you know it is expensive so do, does your school offer any financial aid or do any of the districts help um in
1: yes well supporting most the tuition well we we do ha- we do offer financial aid uh you know i i don't i'm not, I i do not really get involved in that very much, but I know that we are very generous with financial aid and uh we we really uh want to reach out to as many kids as we as we possibly can i mean that's a mission that is so important to the administrators at winward so yes we're we're i think that the uh the administrators are are always thinking about ways of of reaching out to more kids, but yes, we do have financial aid.
0: And you just have the one school, you know. It would be nice if you were expanding a bit.
1: Yes, it would be very nice. And uh, who knows? Who knows what the future will bring?
0: Right. Um, you know, it, it, when I'm when I'm thinking back about um, the dyslexic, and you know, we talked about what you're doing um, at the school for these kids, but for the parent at home, um, that's sitting there, and child and mother are in tears. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what are some ways that a parent can help at home? Because it's very frustrating, I think. A lot of par- parents get very frustrated when, you know, a child just can't break down a word or, yes. you know, they miss simple words. You know, like my daughter used to miss the
1: mm-hmm.
0: all the time, and it was just I couldn't understand it. Why are you missing the and, you know, r? It didn't make any sense to me. So, you know, how do parents deal with this and keep their cool and help the kids?
1: Well, you know, this actually happened in my very own family. One of my uh cousins has uh, and she's a very busy woman. She's uh she, she's she works and she works very long hours. She's got three children and her youngest child uh is dyslexic and she realized it in kindergarten and uh What she did was, I actually recommended a tutor for her, and my cousin actually sat with the tutor and her daughter and watched what the tutor did. And then she reinforced it every day. She spent, you know, 15, 20 minutes every night just reinforcing. uh, And it really worked. So even for a family that can't have a tutor, you know, four three or four times a week, if the parent has the time or there's someone in the household who has the time to be trained, um uh, that can really be helpful. We have a lot of parents that come to our training as well at Winward. Well, well let's go into that um
0: before we run out of time. Winward offers courses to teachers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I am just going to be Putting this post out there, and as I've been doing all week, really trying to get the uh, the special educa- education educators and teachers in general to listen to this. so what is the course that you offer, and um, you
1: know how can they find out about it? Well, there are two basic courses that um, are are, uh, the integral part of our program. One is that Orton-Gillingham course, and that's called uh, Preventing Academic Failure. And we offer that during the year, and we also offer it over the summer. In the summer, I think it's about a week long, and during the year it's – I think it's once a week for five weeks or something like that at the Winward uh, School, which is in White Plains. We also offer the writing program, which is the expository writing program. And I must tell you, just as an aside, I learned how to write when I started teaching at Winward yeah uh, and uh-huh. i 'm an excellent. i 'm an excellent writer now but the, are you going to have to help me this it 's a great program. We also have other courses in language development uh that we offer and there are many uh, parents that are interested in those kinds of courses so but the writing and the reading and the writing course um are generally the two basic courses we we also offer some things in math and, and there there are lots of different choices um and there's a brochure. If you go online to our website, you you can see the list and description of all the courses.
0: Okay. So the educators can go there and they mm-hmm. can find you.
1: Yes, okay. absolutely. Okay.
0: Um, well, I want to thank you for joining me.
1: Well, um, it was a delight.
0: You know, it's, I wish there were more schools like this um, out there. But, you know, just parents understanding it and knowing. And, um, you know, hopefully they'll speak to their teachers, you know, and yes. let them know. Yeah, well, I mean
1: I've I've never been at a and I'm an older person and uh when I when I got to Winward I was in my early 40s and uh I thought I knew a lot and uh I learned it was like getting a whole other master's degree working at Winward. I learned so much and it's uh really a very unusual place and uh it's uh, it's it's really great and and, and where the, is it
0: located? We didn't even mention where it's located.
1: Oh, it's in it's in White Plains, um right off uh there are two campuses. There's there's a lower school campus for grades 1 through 4 and the second campus grades 5 through 9 and the the exact addresses are on the website.
0: Okay, and your website is
1: is um uh www.windwardny.org. <laughs> it's W-I-N-D-W-A-R-D, windwardny.org.
0: Okay. Well, thank you very much, Diane. I appreciate you joining me.
1: Well, it was great fun. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye. Oh, okay. Do I need to hang up? Do I hang up now?
0: If you'd like, or you can listen to my announcements.
1: Yeah, I'll listen. Either way.
0: <laughs> Tomorrow on TweetChat, I have Dr. Jerry Weichman. He is a clinical psychologist specializing in adolescence, and he is unbelievable. Um, he really um, helps teens learn um, coping strategies and really succeed, you know, successful tips, you know, for, for teens that are struggling. And um, this is a warm-up. He's going to do a chat with me tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, and then he's going to be on, I don't have the date right now, but he's going to be on Blog Talking within the next few weeks, and you are just absolutely going to love him. Um, as I've been telling you, um, we are launching a new network, Talking Special Needs Network, and we have six outstanding pro- broadcasts. Um, That we're going to be putting out there for you One of which is maximizing your child's potential And it really fits in with tonight's interview Because the hosts are Dr. Gary Branigan And Dr. Howard Howard Margulies And they are the authors of Reading Disabilities Beating the Odds They are two of the most respected and admired men In the special needs community They are just exceptional And I had the pleasure today of taping a promo with them for the show And we have it up you can. I'm posting it on Twitter, and I have it on our Facebook page. And um, meet these two incredible men, find out about their show, and wait until you hear the guests that they're bringing on. They're just uh, unbelievable. Um, so I want to thank you for joining us. We have um, Sunday night. We will be having one of our tweet chats. Um, we haven't had one in a while, and we like when everybody just comes on and joins us, and we'll be discussing whatever topics you want to talk about. And that will be Sunday night. So as I end each show, you are your child's best advocate. If not you, then who? Become an informed, educated parent. Thank you for joining us tonight on The Coffee Clutch.